to the RPC Sermons Podcast. You can join us for virtual worship every Sunday at roswellpress.org. Thanks for listening. Well, again, welcome to the second Sunday of Advent. It's so good to be with you. Uh, worship with you. As you know, we take a significant portion of our revenue comes in in the last quarter of the year. We've still got about 500 thousand dollars that we're looking for people to give this is not unusual this happens every year but if you haven't fulfilled your pledge or you want to give them above and beyond or outside it feel free to you can leave it in the offering baskets you can do it online or by text Uh, we encourage you to do that before the end of the year I want you to know that next Saturday at noon in the historic cemetery we have our wreaths across America uh, service where we celebrate and honor our veterans, so you're invited to that. And again, I'll remind you this afternoon at 4 p.m., we have our glory of Christmas, Christmas concert in the big sanctuary. We'll continue our sermon series on living traditions. Last week, we looked at the Advent wreath. What does it mean? What does it symbolize? Where does it come from? We're looking at other traditions, and today we're going to look at the music of Christmas, what we call Christmas carols or Advent carols, these songs that speak to us during the Advent season. In many ways, we take it for granted. And so what I'm going to try to do is what is often implicit to us, I'm going to try and make it explicit so we can talk about music and its role in our worship experience and lives. Last week I talked about saying that tradition, traditionalism, is the dead faith of the living and tradition is the living faith of the dead. Another philosopher who cared a lot about tradition said, tradition is a conversation across time. And it's going to be my argument that music is one of the the great ways that we continue that conversation. We both hear from the past and prepare ourselves to hand it on to the future. And music is one of the ways we do that. I've chosen our text today from Luke 2, verses 8 through 14. So let's open our hearts, our minds, and our ears for the word of the Lord. In that region, there were shepherds living in the fields, keeping watch over their flock by night. Then an angel of the Lord stood before them, and the glory of the Lord shone around them, and they were terrified. But the angel said to them, do not be afraid, for see, I am bringing you good news of great joy for all the people. To you is born this day in the city of David a Savior, who is the Messiah, the Lord. This will be a sign for you. You will find a child wrapped in bands of cloth and lying in a manger. And suddenly there was with the angel a multitude of the heavenly host praising God and saying, Glory to God in the highest heaven and on earth peace among those whom he favors. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Let us pray. Gracious and loving God, we ask that you might be our teacher. Lord, we take music for granted. And so I pray that in the next few moments, we might be able to reflect on its importance, its role in helping us flourish and truly experience the the true spirit of the Christmas and Advent season. Now may the words of my mouth and the meditations of our hearts be pleasing in your sight, our rock and our redeemer. Amen. Music moves us. Music can have a significant influence in how we experience and live our lives. Back when I was in college, a group of my friends, we wanted to try out a trick we'd heard about. The trick is, and, and you can try this at home, 
You get the movie The Wizard of Oz and Pink Floyd's Dark Side of the Moon. Okay? And you start the movie. Now, at the very beginning of the movie, there's the MGM logo and there's the lion. That lion's name is Leo. And Leo's going to roar several times. And on the third roar, push play on Dark Side of the Moon. And what you will experience is incredible. The level of synchronicity between that movie and that album is incredible. The lyrics in the music go, look around and choose your own ground. In the movie, Dorothy walks around the farmyard looking for someone to talk to. You know when all those gold coins fall on the path? Guess what comes on? Pink Floyd's money. It's incredible. The song, Great Gig in the Sky, guess what happens in the movie? Tornado comes flying through. It's incredible. Did these two great works of art, were they written in conversation with one another? Or were they just getting high on the same supply? Pink Floyd dismisses any mention that there's a connection between the album and the movie. As you probably know, the movie is longer than the album. So when me and my friends, we were were trying our little experiment out, Dark Side of the Moon ends and the movie continues on. Well, it just so happened that we had a Pearl Jam record on next and it kind of comes on. You're not going to believe it. It was incredible. Eddie Vedder, he was thinking of Dorothy. Look, the synchronicity was incredible. And then it hit us. Maybe this is just how the human mind works. This is the way music influences us, helps us notice certain things, makes us feel something. Music moves us. Think about it. I remember the first time I went to a Georgia Tech football game. I heard the student body and the fans sing the fight song, Ramblin' Wreck. I was like, oh, now I understand these engineers so much better. We have a national anthem sung before sporting events and national celebrations. I know couples who are moved to tears when that song from their first dance at their wedding comes over the radio. For me, when Whitney Houston's I Want to Dance with Somebody, it takes me back when I was seven years old, had a sleepover at Jeff Cummins' house. And I just remember the angst. Will I ever have someone to dance with? Music means something to us. There's almost an ineffable, a transcendent quality. There's a sacred movement to music. And it's no different at Christmas. During the Advent season, these Christmas carols move us. But if we don't stop to think about it, sometimes we take it for granted. I mean, what would Christmas be like if we didn't sing joy to the world? What if we'd never heard, O come, O come, Emmanuel? What if we didn't know Silent Night or the first Noel? These songs speak to our hearts. They speak to our souls in ways that nothing else can. The Advent wreath, the Christmas gifts, the lights. But the music speaks to us in a special way. At RPC, we put a high value on the music we use in our worship services. The worship Leadership team made up of Betsy Homer, John Perry, and Trenton Durham. They'll send me a list of the music we're going to use in our worship services for an upcoming sermon series. 
And guess what? They don't try to just make all the songs the same. No, they try to use a diversity of songs, songs that speak to the wide breadth of human experience. Some songs of celebration. Other songs with a minor key meant to speak to our hearts when we're down. How can music enrich each person's experience? How can it be a vehicle to help you connect with the God of the universe? Music moves people. Some music makes us want to dance. Some music makes us want to weep. And that's because music moves us. Now, I find it interesting that the Bible as a written document that's both read and said aloud argues persuasively that we should sing, that we should make music, encourages the making of music. A brief survey of the Old Testament witnesses to the importance of music in human life. In Exodus 15, there's this scene where the Israelites have just crossed over the Red Sea and, and escaped the pursuing Egyptians. And they're safe now. And they burst into song. Listen to this. Then Moses and the Israelites sang the song to the Lord. I will sing to the Lord for he has triumphed gloriously. Horse and rider he has thrown into the sea. The Lord is my strength and my might. And he has become my salvation. This is my God and I will praise him. My father's God and I will exalt him. It's almost like they learn the lyrics on the fly. They can't help but sing. If you read on in that chapter, Miriam, who's a prophetess, comes forward and she gathers the women together and they gather tambourines and they begin singing. Listen to this. Then the prophet Miriam, Aaron's sister, took a tambourine in her hand and all the women went out with her with tambourines and with dancing. And Miriam sang to them, sing to the Lord for he has triumphed gloriously. Horse and rider he has thrown into the sea. Hundreds of years later, the construction of the temple, you'll find that music came to the center of the Hebrew worship experience. King David, the most famous and maybe most beloved king in Israel, was often beloved because he was a great musician. When he was just being mentored by King Saul as a young boy, the Bible tells us he was often, Saul was afflicted by an evil spirit. He'd go into fits of rage. And so whenever this happened, David would bring in his harp and begin to play. And the music, in a way, scared the evil spirit away. And Saul found a sense of serenity. In the account of the book of Chronicles, as King David is setting up the worship life in the temple, he has 36,000 people set aside to lead worship. You think we have a big staff. 36,000. And 4,000 of that were set aside especially to be singers and musicians. The importance of music, of singing for the worship life. In the Old Testament, all throughout, you'll find people singing together in celebration as they go to the religious feasts in Jerusalem. You'll find people singing, playing music by themselves in their own devotional life. In the book of Psalms, you'll find happy songs and you'll find angry songs. You'll song, see, sing songs of the beauty of creation. And then in the next song, you'll have a song of, Where are you, God? Speaking to the breadth of human experience. To my mind, one of the most moving passages in the Old Testament, maybe in, even in the Bible, comes in Psalm 137. After the invasion of the Babylonians into Israel, they take off 
many exiles back to Babylon. And the Babylonian overlords have heard of the fame, the beauty of their songs. So they ask them to sing. And Psalm 137 is written in response. It reads, By the rivers of Babylon, there we sat down and there we wept when we remembered Zion. On the willows there we hung up our harps, for there our captors asked us for songs and our tormentors asked for mirth, saying, Sing us one of the songs of Zion. How could we sing the Lord's song in a foreign land? If anyone has been in despair or grief, if anyone has felt down and out, Psalm 137 is for you. How could we sing the Lord's song in a foreign land? It's almost there's so much in grief and in despair, they can't sing. It's almost like you know when you're in the depths of despair, you can't make music. When you find yourself in spiritual exile, you're brought to silence. When you're taken off into a foreign land, this is when the songs and the music of Christmas and Advent are meant to sing and speak to us. Just when you thought you were on your own. Just when you thought God had abandoned you. Just when you felt trapped in the darkness. Guess what? The light shines in the darkness. And the darkness has not overcome it. And so it is with these glorious words in John 1 that the gospel writer speaks of the advent of Jesus Christ, God in the flesh coming to us. He came to what was his own and his own people did not accept him. But to all who received him, who believed in his name, he gave power to become children of God, who were born not of blood or of the will of the flesh or of the will of man, but of God. And the word became flesh and lived among us, and we have seen his glory. The glory is of a father's only son, full of grace and truth. Just when we thought we were all on our own, just when we thought God had abandoned us, just when we thought we couldn't see because the darkness of night was too thick, the light shines in the darkness. It's this divine invasion into the world that we celebrate at Christmas. The earliest Christians celebrated it too, and guess how they celebrated? Yep, they made music. Music moves us. In his letter to the church in Ephesus, Paul draws this great light imagery together with making music. Listen to this. Paul writes, For once you were a darkness, but now in the Lord you are light. Live as children of light, for the fruit of the light is found in all that is good and right and true. And then several verses later he continues. As you sing psalms and hymns and spiritual songs among yourselves, singing and making melody to the Lord in your hearts, giving thanks to God the Father at all times and for everything in the name of our Lord Jesus Christ. James, who has a, a letter in our New Testaments, thought to be the brother of Jesus, writes, Are any among you suffering? They should pray. Are any cheerful? They should sing songs of praise. In Acts 16, there's this great scene where the Apostle Paul and Silas are in jail. And it gets late into the night and they can't help, but they're singing to lift each other's spirits. And an earthquake happens. And the jail, the cell doors are flung open. And the jailer's worried that they've all escaped. And he's about to harm himself. And then Paul says, don't, don't, don't. No one's escaped. We're all here. 
but the doors have been flung open, so now I can proclaim to you the good news of Christmas, the good news of God coming to us in Jesus Christ. We are part of a great tradition, a tradition of music that has moved us and will continue to move us and that we hand on to others. It's not a dead tradition. It's a living tradition. Today we sang one of the great hymns and carols of Christmas, Hark the Herald, Angels Sing. I don't know if you know the history of it, but the words were written in 1739 by Charles Wesley. Charles and his brother, John, were pivotal leaders in the Methodist movement. The hymn he wrote was titled, Hymn for Christmas Day. The opening line to the original hymn sounds a little different than maybe we're used to. It was, hark how all the welkin rings, glory to the king of kings. Of course, those words don't sound right to us. One of their friends, 14 years later, was a guy named, by the name of George Whitfield, was one of the great preachers in the Great Awakening. And he changed the opening line. He amended it. Hopefully, Charles took it as a friendly amendment. He said, hark the herald angels sing, glory to the newborn king. Then in 1855, the hymn came to a, an English musician named William Heyman Cummings. And Cummings had an insight to marry Charles Wesley's and Whitfield's text to a new tune. You see, Cummings, as a young boy, had been in a, a youth choir directed by none other than Felix Mendelssohn. And so he gets this great hymn, this text, and he marries it to the tune that we now know. And then all these people have come together to create this great credit, this great list of credits for this great Christmas carol, Hark the Herald Angels Sing, hymn by Charles Wesley, altered by George Whitfield, tuned by Felix Mendelssohn, arranged by William H. Cummings. This is what it means to be a part of a living tradition, to sing our carols in ways that move our spirits and our hearts to receive a tradition and to give it new life. This tradition goes all the way back to the beginning of time. We're just taking our part in this great conversation of what God has done for us in Jesus Christ, that the light shines in the darkness and the darkness has not overcome it, and now we are called to reflect that light in our own unique way. And Music is one of the ways that God moves us. So we sing, hark the herald, angels sing, glory to the newborn king. Let's pray. Gracious and loving God, we thank you for the gift of music. Thank you for how it moves our hearts, moves our souls, and speaks to us in a way that nothing else speaks. Lord, I pray that we might celebrate that music here. We might lift it up and be moved by it as we share the good news that the light shines in the darkness and the darkness is not overcome. been listening to the RPC Sermons Podcast. Please let us know you're here by visiting roswellpress.org and signing our digital friendship register. May the grace and love of God be with you today and throughout the rest of your week. Thanks for listening.